Welcome to a, another brand new episode of No Butts About It. It is Monday, October 23rd. My name is Josh Butts. I am your host. And joining me today is, once again, Stan the Jet fan from his dorm in Steubenville, Ohio. Chuss is once again at his internship with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We promise we will get him back. We will not allow the Penguins to hold him hostage. Uh, first of all, we had a lot of really fun games this week, I thought, and I caused some controversy on YouTube with one of my takes, which we will be talking about a little bit later in the show. But first of all, Stan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, it was, uh, I was watching most of the games that I was able to watch, you know, on my phone driving back from Columbus, but it w- there was a lot of really great games. You know, I remember walking past the bar and watching everyone looking at the three TVs, the three games that had going on. Um, and uh, what a Sunday. I mean, I think out of our predictions from last week, I want to say we, we maybe only got uh, four or five of them correct. So really crazy Sunday for football. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of surprises, a lot to talk about. Um, I'm really excited for the games we're going to talk about in this uh, episode. I, I just would like to clarify, you were riding in a car. You were not driving while watching. No. Okay, okay. I, I was in the passenger seat. Very good, very good. Okay, so, well, the first game, and this was one that we felt fairly certain about, but I said it could maybe go either way because it's a divisional game, which we had a lot of this week. But the Bills-Patriots game, I mean, uh, really thought that the Bills would be able to pull that one out, but I don't know why we keep expecting them to do that. They almost lost to the Giants. They just have not looked good. Their defense is beat up. Their offense has struggled. Josh Allen came out, first play of the game, threw an interception. Uh, was not a great game to watch and kind of was surprising. Coming, You'd think this team would want to rebound, but ever since they went to London and came back, they haven't been able to put a game together. Um, we also got news during that game that Bill Belichick signed a multi-year extension with the New England Patriots as their head coach, so he isn't going anywhere. There was speculation that he would be leaving after this season. Does not seem like the Patriots want to do that, though. Uh, Stan, did you get any uh, attention on this game? What did you think if you did? Well, I mean, from from what I watched, it was, it was a lot of just solid play. It wasn't very fancy. It wasn't very, uh, you know, insane, game-changing. But it was a lot of very solid play, which is something we've seen from New England throughout, you know, the last – 15 20 years of that franchise right even before tom brady that's what they're known for solid normal good football and you know when i when i saw what i did see from that game last night i saw bill belichick at his best and that's against his own division i mean i i I need to see the stats on it how does bill belichick uh look against his own division compared to the rest of the nfl i mean he's basically tom brady's uh, you know, Tom Brady as a quarterback is less than Belichick as a coach in that division. And I, I don't know what to make of that. Um, it, it's weird because, uh, you know, you, you look at him, you look at the last few weeks and all the mistakes uh, they've made against uh, a lot of teams and back uh, play last. Haven't been seen All this really does for, it reminds me again of yeah maybe maybe we should have put a little more respect on Bill Check. Uh, maybe he knows a more than the football geniuses Butts and uh, Stanley Colossus. I I mean the football geniuses Josh Butts and Stanley Colosso though that that's 
We're pretty, we're pretty, we've been pretty good. This week was one of our worst weeks. Um, you are cutting in and out a little bit, but I was able to hear what you said. Uh, however, Bill Belichick did happen to make it to his 300th win. And he is now, well, he's been the third winningest coach, head coach in NFL history with only Papa George Hallis and Don Shula ahead of him. Don Shula has the most wins with 328. So that's what Bill is chasing down. Um, I really was disappointed with the Bills offense in this game. I mean, Josh Allen, we know what he can be. Uh, I think the problem with Josh Allen is he seems to play slightly worse than whatever team he's playing. Um, if he's playing Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs, he's elite. He's great. He can stay right in there with them. But then he comes and plays Mac Jones, who hasn't shown really anything this year to be wowed about, and he plays like crap. I mean, he has Stefan Diggs. He has Gabe Davis, two very good receivers. And I th- I believe the most targeted player on the team was Dalton Kincaid by the end of it. And Dalton Kincaid is the rookie tight end. I mean, get Gabe Davis the ball. Get Stefan Diggs the ball more, which Stefan Diggs had some catches. I think he might have even had a touchdown. But you got to get these guys involved more if you're going to win the game. They used James Cook. He had some good runs. And that was always the problem with the Bills before was they didn't have a run game. Josh Allen was always the run, the legs of the offense. Well, now they've got a run game. Now they've got to get the passing game going again. Um, they've got this two tight end set, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid. You'd think it would open it up a little bit more, but it seems to just not be working for them. Uh, maybe, maybe Sean McDermott needs to go back to the one tight end set for Josh Allen. <laughs> I mean, the Bengals... The Bengals would happily take Dawson Knox because we need a tight end. So um, if they want to go back to the one tight end set, call up call up Cincinnati. But I just I, – I don't know that the Bills are necessarily a team to be worried about anymore with how injured their defense has been and the fact that uh, the offense can't get anything going. Yeah, I mean, I, I do disagree with you a little bit there. I think they're just on a bad streak. You look before these last three weeks, look before that London Jaguars game, and they were they were beating some solid teams. I mean, that Dolphins game, I was expecting to go uh, neck and neck, and I think the, the final score was uh, almost 20, 30 points in favor of the Bills. I think it was like, uh, they scored close to 50 that game, if I remember. Um, and, and before that, they beat teams, I remember them beating the Raiders, right? And that's a team they should beat, don't get me wrong. And they destroyed the Commanders, I think, the following week. Those are games they should win but they're still making those connections and they're looking good on offense. Um, even last, uh, even, even yesterday, they still looked pretty consistent with their uh, pass game at four, uh, at points. Um, I think the issue is uh, Josh Allen is maybe in a slump. He's letting um, the mental parts of the game get to him because otherwise I just can't understand losing to the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Patriots three games. You know, those are, those are not three losses I saw coming at all, right? The Jaguars maybe – but the next two, uh, Patriots and Giants, not at all. So when I'm looking at, at where Josh Allen is, I don't really think he's falling off or anything like that. I think it's a quarterback slump. I think you get you know, your, your sports psychologist in the building, get him to do some one-on-ones with Josh Allen, see what's going on. Maybe there's a part of this uh, offensive system or there's something with Josh Allen he has to change to get back into rhythm. But whatever that is, make sure you're working on that. Uh, for the Bills, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to – 
get any worse than this because I mean their, their next game I believe their next game is against the Bengals so uh, is it not? No, their next game is Thursday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then the week oh. after they play the Bengals Okay, but uh, yeah, those are two teams that they should be able to to really bring it back up to. Those are Jaguar level teams, or I think uh, both those teams are slightly better than the Jaguars, right? Um, so those are those are good, solid teams. If they could put a decent performance against these teams, I think maybe that can reinstill the confidence in that offense, get Josh Allen back on track. But in regards to the game from yesterday, I just I really don't know what to think. I, I all I could assume is that Bill Belichick is just the most prepped coach in the world when it comes to his division. But outside of that, I really don't know what to take of this. Yeah. I, it, it was just weird. And I don't, I don't understand Josh. Cause I, I was someone who always thought Josh Allen was the third best, maybe at times the second best quarterback in the NFL. Um, and now I'm just kind of like, he's got the potential, but I don't know where it's at. So that, that was a weird Weird game. Uh, divisional games tend to have that effect. The game, though, that I thought was the best was my favorite game of the day yesterday. Bengals were on bye week. Browns versus the Colts. And I put out a short after this game that was very controversial. And I'm going to stick to my guns here. Now, the Browns versus Colts game, first of all, I think either team could have won this. I'm not mad that the Browns won it. I'm okay with the Browns winning this game. Um, the Browns defense played insanely well. Miles Garrett is possibly the best physical specimen to ever exist in the history of ever. Uh, he hurdled the offensive line at one point during a field goal to uh, block it, something we have not seen in a long time, and he's almost 300 pounds. Um, he set – he's the got the most sacks – for a player before turning 28 and he doesn't even turn 28 till December 29th. And I think he has 84 sacks. Um, so the dude's just a specimen. He had a strip sack fumble, I believe as well. So insane. The Browns defense can't say enough good things about them. I am annoyed by them, but at the same time, they're fun to watch. Colts offense played great. Um, Gardner Minshew, he had two rushing touchdowns. Uh, he went 15 for 23, 305 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. The interception, don't like to see that, but hey, he's a backup quarterback. We'll take it. Michael Pittman Jr. played well. Jonathan Taylor, he's starting to get those carries. He's starting to get back into the swing of things. Zach Moss played well. Josh Downs, the rookie wide receiver, played well. It was a fun game to watch until – the final two minutes, and I'm okay with the Kareem Hunt touchdown. Yes, there were missed calls on both sides. Problem is, the refs waited until something mattered to call start calling penalties. The illegal touching penalty they called first, it was like, okay, I don't really see that, but fine, maybe. The defensive pass interference they called would require Donovan Peoples-Jones to become Inspector Gadget. And I'm not mad that the Browns won because of this. I am mad that this is the way games are getting decided. And it's teams that I don't even necessarily care about. Yes, I'm a Colts fan. Yes, I'm a Bengals fan. This one had an effect on me. But the Chiefs-Jets games, I really have no... I don't care about that game. But 
it still annoyed me that they won that way. So I, I've got here, because I'm petty, I took a screenshot of the final play of the game. And let's look, let's look at where the trajectory here. He's going out of bounds, right? He's going to go out of bounds. He's falling down. And I couldn't get a better shot of his foot before um, he went out of bounds because it was the way the video was clipped. But the ball isn't even in the photo. That's how overthrown this was. And the ball lands like back here. And they said that this was a catchable ball. And people on the YouTube short I made said it was a catchable ball. The trajectory of the ball follows a line similar to this. And then Gene Steratore gets on and he says, well, it really any ball's catchable as long as it doesn't go into the stands. Is that the is that the new rule? Do you think do you think that this receiver looking at this photo stand, do you think this receiver is going to catch the ball that's not even in the photo? There's not really a whole lot of chance to that, but I mean, here's what I'm thinking of. I, I watch soccer as well, and you know, in every sport, referee calls, the, uh, official calls are always controversial. And one thing the the Premier League and soccer started doing, I think, a couple weeks ago, um, is they started a show where after every match day the referees have to explain their calls. And I think I, I want to see that with the NFL because I think in a lot of these t- cases like this game, um, the game is going so fast. The referees have so much on them that it is very likely to make those mistakes in this type of case. I would not be surprised. If maybe the referees, I, you know, lost the ball for a second. Maybe he didn't really even realize where the ball was, but he saw the actual touching uh, on the play. Maybe he saw the, the, the tugging going there. Uh, maybe that's what, made that call not really what the referee saw but what he assumed happened so i kind of want to see that with the nfl and i think this year i've noticed maybe i don't know if statistically this is true or not but i've noticed way more controversial calls especially in the last 90 seconds of games i'm not if i look back into my recent memory i remember those type of controversial 90 second end of game calls coming almost exclusively in either uh rivalry matchups or in the playoffs I mean, a lot of these games you've seen this season don't really have that, but hopefully the NFL can take a look in it. I want to see that type of show. I want to see the referees explain their decisions um, after the game. And then maybe then we could learn a little more about what caused calls like this one. The other thing is NFL refs aren't full-time. They're not paid full-time. So there's that. So I can kind of understand why might have other things on their mind, but that shouldn't be the case with how much money the NFL has. They should be able to pay full-time guys and women. But um, my other problem is we, we've constantly seen where refs will let the guys kind of play it out and they won't, they'll be kind of loose with the calls at the beginning of the game. And then by the end of the game, they're like super tight to the rules. They're like, you touched him. It's a penalty. And we, we saw this. I'm going to mention the Bengals Rams Super Bowl because I'm petty, but (laughs) the, Whole entire that entire game, the two teams were tugging at each other. And yes, T. Higgins and yeah, okay, that happened. That was a missed call on the refs. They're do, they were doing that all game. They were going back and forth. And then Logan Wilson like barely grabs the dude's jersey, and it gets called for holding. It's like come on, if you're gonna call something at the beginning, you got to call it at the beginning of the game and at the end of the game. You can't just change your mind about what is what. 
as the game goes on. We need more consistency. I'd like to see referee grades, um, something similar to what you're talking about with uh, having them explain themselves after the game. But also, I'd like to see like, hey, dude, you have a 50% accuracy grade. You're going to go back through training. so Because now with sports betting, there's money on the line with these. And so I'd like to see them put these refs back through training if they're getting bad grades. Um, I'd like those grades to be public, and I'd just like to see the NFL actually um, care. It doesn't seem like they do right now because we're seeing it left and right. And again, I don't care that the Browns won this game. Both teams played well. It's just this was such a stupid way to lose a game that it makes me mad. So um, that's that's the end of my rant. I don't I don't know, Stan, if you have anything else you wanted to add to that. I think you covered it all. <laughs> okay, <laughs> beautiful. So next up, I'm we're not going to talk about this for a super long time because I already put out a video about it. It is Tyson Badgett, the undrafted free agent, Division two quarterback out of Shepherd University, who started. For the Chicago Bears yesterday. Not only did he start, but he won. Not only did he win, he broke a losing streak that the Bears had had since September of last year. Yesterday was the first time the Bears have won a home game since September of 2022. And I say this in the video, which I'll put the link up to right here. But Elon Musk bought Twitter more recently than the Bears won a home game. That is insane. That, that's absolutely insane to think about. So I made a video up here about whether Tyson Badgett is the new Brock Purdy of this year, uh, kind of coming out of nowhere and getting that win. Uh, so you can go check that out if you want. For the audio listeners on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, I will put the link to that down in the description so you can check that out. Next game, we have Sunday Night Football, Eagles versus Dolphins. Thought this was going to be a big game, the game of the week. We're going to have a great primetime game. And it kind of tanked, started to make a comeback, and then tanked again. So uh, I know Stan really enjoyed watching this game. I was still fuming over the Browns-Colts game. But Stan, what did you see during this game that you liked so much? You know, I really, I just like the middle of the game. I think, that, of course, the end of it sucked. But that middle section of the game, when you saw the Dolphins making that climb back up, that was beautiful football. That was football. That was a game at its finest. So I really liked that. That was the part of the game that really spoke to me. Um, and, and watching Mike McDaniel's, even though he's a division rival of ours, uh, watching Mike McDaniel's is always such such an enjoyable, enjoyable way to way to spend a Sunday night. I mean, you're seeing, uh, one, I love the running back movement, the pre-snap motion. I love the way he uses tight ends, right? I mean, the way he uses his blockers, the way he finds the gaps uh, with the with the running backs. And he didn't really do that, the, that specific finding the gaps there, but then you saw him adjust to it. And I think when he began making that comeback, it was mainly because he made adjustments to his mistakes in the beginning of the game. Uh, a lot of the running back play, especially early on, uh, it, it was terrible. I mean, the linebackers on the Eagles is a great linebacker room. They really read those gaps. They read the running backs. They read the quarterbacks pre-stop motion, I think, very heavily. And they were able to make the right plays. Uh, at, uh, towards, I think, 
probably the end of the second quarter. You saw Mike McDaniel reading through it a little bit. And in the first quarter, I'm sorry, the beginning of the second quarter, you saw him, you know, finally make some big plays. Um, once that offense got moving, it was moving. And, and, and that's one thing we talk about with the Dolphins. It's speed, right? They're a fast team. They're quick. And their defense also stepped up. Their defense, you know, caused a, a punt, I think, in that second quarter. Uh, their first punt they were able to force of the game. Saw my man, Braden Mann, coming out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a great game at that point. Eventually, though, what you end up seeing is, well, one, Tua was not making great throws. His placement at some times of the game, especially that first uh, touchdown pass, I think that was some of the best placement I've seen throughout that entire day of watching football yesterday, right? Out of all the games, maybe I didn't see as many games as I usually see, that was some beautiful placement. Um, and you know, we were talking about uh, Derek Carr uh, last episode, or, or on, on Thursday, I'm sorry, Friday, uh, about Derek Carr's lack of placement in that same game. But the placement from Tua was really good overall, even in, in, in middle-of-the-field plays. Even earlier on, his placement was very solid. Um, I think a lot of the mistakes that caused him to fall away, uh, f- fall away was with a little bit of the the you know little, few uh, drop passes from I believe a running back had a big one. A uh, few receivers just weren't able to get their hands on it safely. There was one play where I, I can't remember who it was, but he he grabbed the ball, he was open, and it slipped from his hands. And he punted it basically with his knee. Um, I don't know if you remember that one, and that, that looked like it was going. It could have led to a touchdown that play. So you see a lot of plays like that where the, the offense, not really Tua's fault, not really McDaniel's fault, guys just aren't able to do their job. Um, so overall, I really like the Dolphins here. Um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate they couldn't have made it a closer game, but the Eagles truly look dominant. And I think Jalen Hurts, uh, you really saw him look a little comfortable again. Um, he hasn't been looking too comfortable overall uh, the, the last two weeks, e- three weeks, even th- uh, through his wins. He hasn't looked very comfortable there, but he was making the right plays, and I really liked seeing him know when he had to run. Jalen Hurts is a guy who runs a lot. I mean, he's, he was leading the, he's leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. So seeing him get comfortable in the pocket and reading the defensive lineman coming at him, it was really great to see. Yeah, the brotherly shove definitely doesn't hurt that uh, rushing touchdown stat either. I'm sure a good portion of those touchdowns are that. But, yeah, the Eagles' defense did their homework on – the Dolphins, I think. I mean, Hasten Reddick, there were there were multiple times where they tried to do a pitch over to, I believe it was Mostert, and Hasten Reddick just knew the play, and he was in Raheem Mostert's face as soon as the ball was snapped, and they eventually just had to completely move away from it because Hasten Reddick was going to turn it into a loss of yards no matter what. And that was that was good defensive football. I liked seeing that. Um, the same note, though, I wish the Dolphins would have figured out a way to go back to more of the run game as well. Because once the run game's out, you become one-dimensional. And that's not a team that should be one-dimensional. They're very quick, very fast, as you mentioned. Team that can be two-dimensional, and when they are two-dimensional, they'll just kill you, as we've seen them do before. Um. I thought what was fun. I saw a tweet from Tyree Kill. I thought was funny. He had 88 yards yesterday, and he was tweeting like he had no catches and like just wasn't in the game. And he said, "I'll be better." So he took the blame for the loss. But for the fact that for Tyree Kill, 88 yards is a down game. That's 
that tells you how great he is. I mean, I I think he's going to hit the 2,000-yard mark. He's already at 908, and there's a lot of football to be played. Have you have you been keeping track of that, that 2,000 yards? To be honest, I don't really keep track of those type of stats too much uh, until really the end of the season. Uh, but I believe it. I mean, I mean, Tyree Kill has looked really great. And, you know, talking about the, the connections he's made with Tua, you know, Tua has been finding – finding him in the open field um and, and like with, with that perfect placement yeah a guy like Tyreek who you know has the speed has the composure is able to get past the feathers but also has the hands to like grab that ball and make sure it's secure it, you can't really have a better connection than that and a quarterback who has good placement yeah now we just talked about how great Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins are so this is like a complete 180 but Looking at the Dolphins' schedule, do we really think that they're the best team in the AFC? I mean, I know we've said that before on the show, and I believed it for a while, but then I went back and I looked at the Dolphins' schedule and look at who who they played and who they beat and who they lost to. And, I mean, really, they haven't beaten anyone that's a wow win, and they've lost to both teams that would have been the wow wins. And uh, that was – so the teams they've beaten so far, let's go over that first. They have beaten the Chargers. They beat them 36-34 to 34 week one. That's an average – I think that's an average team. Pretty they They're not terrible, but they're not great. Patriots, they beat them 24-17. Patriots have been bad other than last – or yesterday for some reason. But Patriots have been bad. Broncos. They beat them 70 to 20. And that was when everyone was like, shoot, the Dolphins are winning the Super Bowl. There's no stopping them. No one's ever going to beat the Dolphins. This is impossible. Yeah, they lost the next week to the Bills 48 to 20. So um, that the Bills game would have been one where if they won that, that at the time, it would have been like, wow, they beat the Bills. They're winning the division. They can win the conference. Then they beat the Giants 31 to 16. Easy win. They beat the Panthers 42-21. to Easy win. Then you get to the Eagles, and it's like, okay, now is their chance to redeem themselves on primetime. Both teams are 5-1. and one. Eagles went to the Super Bowl. This is the game. And they only put 17 points up on an injured Eagles defense. And they got outscored. They got 31 points put up on them. So do we think the Dolphins are a fraudulent team, that they're not really who – we thought they were honestly it's going to be a little hard to tell at this point in the season i mean here's what i'll say based on their play so far i think the big fault they had in, in last night was you know really giving 31 points to the eagles yes their offense didn't look the best but they gave 31 points to the eagles and, and that's really why you lose it's not just not scoring enough it's letting the other team score too much mm-hmm. and in a lot of these wins uh, in the 70 point win right against the uh, broncos the Broncos still scored 20, right? The Broncos, right? right. The, uh, the Dolphins have a lot of great players on this team, and they've actually added great players through the season so far. So why are they letting teams like the Broncos score 20 points, right? Why did the Patriots score 17 on them? Um, to me, I think the big thing I'm looking at is that quarterback room. You know, uh, Eli Apple, I remember seeing him on the field last night and thinking, wow, that, this might be one of Eli Apple's better performances. You know, he was covering he was covering guys really well, and he was reading the ball really well. Not the best. You know, he made mistakes, plenty of mistakes against, that being said, 
one of the best wide receiver rooms, probably, well, the best wide receiver room in the NFL. But that reminds me, well, Xavier Howard is also on this team, right? Jalen Ramsey is also on this team. So once you get Jalen Ramsey getting off injury reserve, I think they said in the next two weeks, if, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. His practice window is open, so he can come back. Okay, well, yeah, he's going to be back very soon. I saw him on the sideline last night. Uh, you know, Zayvon Howard, Jalen Ramsey, with that current defense, I think that could be a game changer for them. And, you know, talking about these next couple of weeks, you have the Patriots, a team that, you know, yeah, they're going to should beat the Patriots. After that are the Chiefs. What do you think about that matchup, that Chiefs versus Dolphins matchup in two weeks? Who do you think is, is uh, going to stand out in that game? And if you have Jalen Ramsey back on the field, I think he is the guy to watch on that defense. I think he's going to be making the biggest plays. Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing. The Dolphins, really their last chance to prove that they're the best team in the AFC is going to be against the Chiefs. I mean, they've got the Jets, which who knows what the Jets will do. They've still got them twice. The Ravens beat the crap out of the Lions yesterday. That's their final – nope, that's their second final game. Their final game's against the Bills. And then they've also got the Cowboys, which the Cowboys are hit or miss too. That Chiefs game is going to be – I agree with you. I think it's going to come down to how does Jalen Ramsey perform because whenever we talk about the Dolphins, we always talk about their offense and how many points their offense puts up. But in these games, like last night, where they're not able to put up a bajillion points, is the defense able to stop the other team's offense? And Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey will single-handedly destroy your defense if you let them. I mean, it's just the way the Chiefs work. They don't necessarily use anyone else other than Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I mean, Travis Kelsey had more yards than Mark Andrews did his whole game yesterday in the first half. So, I mean, that's just the way those two interact. That's the best, one of the best quarterback tight end duos in the NFL. And so I think Jalen Ramsey is going to need to step up and they're going to have to figure out a way to shut down Travis Kelsey. Um, they're going to have to put pressure on Mahomes. It's, I don't, I don't know with the Dolphins. I think their offense is phenomenal. I think they have are possibly the best offense in the NFL. But is their defense bad enough that it's going to cause them to lose games? Maybe. I mean, do you do you? Th- do you think the Jets have a chance against the Dolphins as a Jets fan? Uh, I do think so. I mean, one of the best things we've done as a unit this season is shut down quarterbacks. And if you're shutting down that pass game from the Dolphins, I think we'll do a good job. I mean, right right now, I think that Giants game is going to be a very interesting one because we are going to be able to get after that quarterback a lot. And, you know, can we see some interceptions? Can we see that defense, the, the back half of that defense, that backfield, uh, can that look good? As good as that, that front, that uh, defensive line we have. I mean, against the Dolphins, it's really it's, it's kind of hit or miss for us because they are a divisional team, and, and they're a team which we do have some guys who, who've gone over, Braxton Barrios uh, being one of them. Um, are we going to be able to adjust uh, on, on offense and actually score against this unit? I think that's the big question. Um, one, one really good thing that I'm confident about is I think our O-line will be fine against their defensive line. That's not the strength of their defense. Once you have those, hold, uh, those healthy uh, cornerbacks, though, 
they're going to get, uh, be all over our wide receivers. So is Zach Wilson going to be able to get uh, Tyler Conklin and our tight ends involved enough to, to counter that? Will our running backs, so this is something I am also confident about, will Brees Hall be able to get some good yardage? I think so. So those are things that's going to be really important. The Dolphins also have a really strong line linebacker room. So those linebackers, you know, guys like Chubb, for example, they know how to shut down those C-gaps. They know how to shut down, you know, the type of runs that we tend to use. Now, Brees Hall is someone we've seen this so many times who when it, there's one gap filled, he'll be able to move and maneuver his way and still get a good four or five yards, even if the gap that he was supposed to use ends up getting clogged by a linebacker. So, I mean, there's so much to think about. And, you know, I'll be thinking about that, getting getting excited for the game, the two games we have against them later in the season. But for right now, I do think we can at least compete with them. Okay. Yeah, I mean – Zach Wilson, if he beats the Jet or he beats the Dolphins, that not only hurts the Dolphins' stock a lot, I think, but that helps Zach Wilson's stock a lot if he's able to beat the Dolphins. And I think we'll learn a lot about the Dolphins in these next two weeks because Bill Belichick is now starting to kind of maybe figure out how to win. He's got that we got the Patriots. So if the Patriots are competitive against the Dolphins or even beat the Dolphins, that's that's a red flag i think and then you got the chiefs right after that and we'll be able to see how they go against that so dolphins might be on fraud watch here in the next two weeks um but one team that we thought for sure wasn't frauds i still don't think they're frauds i think they're injured that's the san francisco 49ers and they play tonight against the minnesota Fumbling Vikings, and I call them the Fumbling Vikings because they have a negative seven turnover deficit, primarily due to fumbles. Alexander Madison, K.J. Osborne, whoever, Kirk Cousins, everyone on that team's fumbling, Uh, and I'm sure that the 49ers defense will be taking advantage of that. Uh, Some updates about who is playing tonight, who is not playing tonight. We have Debo Samuel is out he will not be out there tonight, so that's one weapon that we likely will not be seeing until uh, three weeks from now for the 49ers. So he'll be out this week and next week against the Bengals. Uh, Christian McC- Christian McCaffrey is questionable. It, it would be a big miss if he's not able to play. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, the linebacker, who would also be a hard hit to that defense, is also questionable to play. It sounds like both of them are going to play, though, barring any setbacks and warm-ups or something. Trent Williams, though, on that left uh, tackle position, he is doubtful, and I don't know that the Vikings necessarily have the best pass rush in the NFL. Well, I know they don't have the best pass rush in the NFL, but... Harrison Smith, they like to blitz him from the safety position. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see a lot of safety blitzes if Trent Williams isn't playing tonight because he's good at that. He had six sacks in one game against the Panthers. So uh, having Harrison Smith blitz from the safety position might be the move tonight if Trent Williams isn't playing. Um, Stan, what do you expect to see tonight? What are you excited to look out for? Honestly, I'm excited to see the Vikings. I mean – that's a team that I just don't know what to make of them. They're, I think, two and four right now, but you know, I have their schedule right here. And I'm looking at where those wins and losses come from. They lost to the Bucks, which I think they should have won that game. 
They should have also beat the Chargers. But the teams that they've uh, – the other two teams they've lost against are the Eagles and the Chiefs, which, yeah, they're going to lose those games. So when your only wins come against the Panthers and the Bears and those aren't really dominating wins, it, it's a little hard to really read these, this team. Um, and, and they're playing the 49ers, uh, obviously another big juggernaut team to add to their list of juggernauts they've uh, perhaps lost to so far this season. But looking in the, into the next few weeks, they're playing the Falcons, the Broncos, the Packers, the Saints, the Bears, the Raiders after that. So this could be the last big speed bump before what could be a very smooth road for them. I think if they win this game, this is a humongous momentum change into their uh, season because a win here with those other six games they have next, I think that's a game changer for them. I think if they be, if they find a way to beat the 49ers, their next games might just be 7-0. and So... Uh, I am excited to see this tonight. I think the Vikings are a team that has so much potential. They have so many great players, but they're just not really able to bring them together. Um, and it's it's interesting against the 49ers. Another team is kind of a little, at least in the last week, you know, obviously down on their luck. Maybe the Vikings can pull something over them. Maybe the Vikings can bring out, you know, some, some high-quality football plays. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers losing to the Browns, which, again, Browns defense, phenomenal. Browns offense is terrible. <laughs> let's just let's just put that to bed. The 49ers losing to them, that that's a stab in the heart, I think. And you had a lot of injuries during that game as well, just to throw some salt in that wound. Um the other thing is don't forget the Vikings don't have Justin Jefferson. He's still on IR. So you're looking at KJ Osborne and the rookie Jordan Addison to really step up tonight. And you mentioned all those close games that they lost. A lot of those games they lost because of the fumbles. They would have won if they simply hadn't fumbled, which I say simply, and it's probably, it's harder than that. But at the same time, you're a professional NFL player. So don't fumble. Um, I, I think if Jordan Addison steps up tonight and they are able to limit the turnovers, if they're able to create a turnover um, somehow, get an interception somewhere. Again, Harrison Smith is a beast. Maybe he's able to do something. Um, Dan- Daniel Hunter is another guy who will probably be involved in that pass rush a little bit. I, I'd like to see maybe a competitive NFC game, and maybe they do win this. I think it's possible. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's possible. <laughs> so, you know, you go. Someone else I really want to see step up for the Vikings is TJ Hawkinson, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's last season, I, I think he played way better than he's been do, uh, playing this season. And, you know, he's still getting the ball a decent amount, but he's not really doing as much with it. And I don't think he seems as confident on the field, which maybe, yeah, that could be a result of being two and four. Um, but this is a game where he's going to be very important you know when you're talking about uh that 49ers defense they hit hard but you get the ball to the tight end on a few slant reads you know a guy who could hold the ball in maybe get a couple extra yards in those positions that could be a game changer for them i, I think at this point the vikings whatever whatever they get those three yards those four yards at a time those plays on those on those first and second downs those might be the ones that make the game i think by third down by fourth downs it might be a little too late there so I think for the Vikings, you got to get some good passes early on in every single drive. Make sure that you're moving the ball downfield and at least getting a field goal in a lot of these, especially with 
Uh, even if, you know, CMC comes back, he's going to be a slightly injured CMC. So maybe if you're able to get even a few field goals, get a, sm- a small lead in that first half, the week your defense should be able to shut down or at least mitigate uh, the scoring from that much weakened 49ers offense. Not only that, you mentioned a hard hitter. The Vikings need to protect Kirk Cousins because Nick Bosa will be coming at him as hard as he can, and he's a hard hitter. He's he's a turnover creator, and if you're trying to limit those turnovers, you also need to limit how often Nick Bosa is able to get to Kirk Cousins. Ideally, I'd like to see Nick Bosa become a non, non-factor in this game if you're a Vikings fan, if you're rooting for the Vikings. Um, that's probably not going to happen. I just think Nick Bosa always finds a way, but... The Vikings offensive line is definitely going to be tested tonight. And Kirk Cousins is going to have to get the ball out fast. I I wouldn't be shocked if we see a bunch of like little dunk and dink routes instead of big play action passes. But uh, that's going to be all for today's show. I think unless Stan has something else to say, did you have something else you wanted to add? Nope. Okay. So, uh, Thank you for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube at No Butts Show. Our social media pages are No Butts underscore show on Instagram and No Butts Show on TikTok. My Twitter is Josh underscore Butts underscore 2001. And if you would like to reach us, you can email us at bullmoosepodcast2. That's the number two at gmail.com. Finally, our spread shop will be in the description, so check out the merch. Once again, if you enjoyed today's show, Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps us out. And until next time, go do something nice for someone.